Welcome to Tavern Talk. So, hello everybody. This is a special Tavern Talk with Ben and Matt from the Pathless Podcast. Say hello, Ben. Uh, I wanted to give a special shout out to Error Predator on Twitter for their interest in our page and thank you for following. If anybody has uh, any questions and they want them answered or if any comments right on air, please send us in your uh, please send us your questions on Twitter at virusrawl uh, at myself or at pathlesspod which is Ben. So, Ben, uh, today we're going to talk ma- mainly about inspiration for games, uh, lightlessness cuz we don't really run um, pumpkin spice we let Sam do that. Uh, but for lightlessness, uh, where was the inspiration drawn? Um, where I want to know where you started when building the world for lightlessness, and maybe if there were any particular books, games, or concepts that you want to experiment with uh, to act as the core for the world. Okay, so if we go all the way back to the beginning, um, lightlessness was actually called the Epic of Corellin. And um, what that was, was I had this idea of what it would be like if characters had to save, um, like, I guess, uh, a, a epic hero mm-hmm. from the gods that have taken them. And that was, like, really, like, the idea that spurred the world and the campaign. Um, so let me see. I, I have some notes of that original campaign here that I wanted to get up. Here it is. Um, so yeah, the Epic of Corellin was all about this female dwarf and she got so powerful in the land of, uh, Felicia mm-hmm. that she was taken up, um, by a god to, um, fight in the Archeron Plain. So if you guys remember, you guys got to do, and anyone who listened to some of the bonus sodes of our, um, one shot, you guys got to do a similar idea to this, which is what spawned that one shot where um, what would happen if the gods wanted to draft people I- into Archeron, uh, which is a plane of infinite lawful battle um, to serve as the gods' enjoyments. Right. So, yeah, that, that's how it all started. Uh, Corella was her actual name. And um, I had, like, a general campaign built around her, and there was ideas of um, Malar being the god who actually had taken her up and out of the world and there was additional ideas of, I guess, a moon-touched being who was somehow related to saving her and getting her back. Like, uh, you know, one way to get access to Corella now that she was taken up, would be to get to that plane. And to get to that plane, you guys would have to deal with a good moon being, a good moon god that you would serve. And then after serving her, she would help take you guys up to that place where you would then find Corella, save her from this, you know, battle plane and then get her back home to felicia oh and it was luna that uh supposed to be that moon god originally um when you say luna uh, i'm so, i forget her it's the, the it, the woman with the scar on her face the moon scar yeah so mitha, mitha was she she was the moon touched one in the original campaign who would serve as the driving force for the campaign to get to meet the good moon god and I've brought up the Good Moon God a couple times in this campaign, so she still exists. Um, but you guys haven't had any real interaction with her. And I think I did, like, say in prior talks or things that we've had, even, like, in wrap-ups, that she would have been summoned if you guys would have fallen into line a little bit with Mitha and spoke with Mitha about these things. Because her ritual to be summoned is very similar to Malar's. Oh. The only difference is blood sacrifice. Yeah, I remember so. uh, I remember you saying that it could have gone one of both ways, and we summon Malar rather than summon the Good Moon Goddess. 
Um, okay. So, and that actually brings about another question I had. So, I also know that in the beginning, we talked mainly about home and um, how, like, things of that nature. You said that you wanted to build the core world and the core um, concept of, like, our gameplay through that. Uh, how has the world and the development changed since we started playing? I know from what it sounds like, we haven't interacted with any, like, dwarf. Um, we haven't spoken to the moon god because of the way we play. And how has this changed the story and the world as, as it develops? Yeah, um, so I still constantly try to push the home factor. Uh, sometimes I drop the ball a little bit, but like Quarion essentially has had like a lot of opportunity for it with Penlod and going home and things like that. Um, where Baybreeze, I would say, has very little opportunity because he hasn't gotten down south. And down south is where he might find some more of his roots because that's last where his ship was docked, uh, things like that. Right. Um, and you guys haven't spent a lot of time down there. But more of us fully realized and satisfied his home quest type things. And then um, that leaves Notch. And um, Notch is difficult because he's got a lot of complicated stuff that happened down in the south as well. And then um, his time up here with the dwarves was still like a time of his own reflection, not necessarily of building a home with these dwarves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I guess like the world building related to that is mostly when I take a player's players to a certain area, do any of them have ties to that area? And what can I do with those ties to play with them and try to actualize more? So like with Morva and Quarion, that's been very easy. And I think that's shown through you know, how, how they can play with that idea when he met his grandfather, Yiren, you know, getting turned into a badger <laughs> and then um, going to see his father and being a badger and being ashamed of that, um, just kind of that whole entire experience. Uh, but yeah, I mean, his mom's a whole nother story where she's written into the campaign so much deeper, um, but then he decided that he doesn't really care about her, which is how his character feels, and that's fine. Um, so she's kind of been dropped. It, it's funny how, like... Um, how notes get dropped, like whole entire encounters get dropped, and then whole entire areas get dropped. And I always use them later. I just kind of revamp them and bring them back later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and that's coming up soon, too. Another area is going to be revamped and bring by, brought back up very soon for you guys. Cool. So that'll be cool. Yep. Looking forward to it. Uh, so now going on from the inspiration, I know that our characters have met a lot of great figures in the world. Uh, we've met uh, a god moron. We met the Elder Dragon. I believe he was an Elder Dragon. Um, and we even summoned the influence of Malar uh, as we spoke. Um, has the story so far been a setup to us to, to fight the avatars slash followers of the of Malar um, in addition to stopping the Lycan Plague? Hmm. So, the story of the campaign may center around the idea of stopping lycanthropy. But you guys have essentially written this story. Like, there was a rigidness for season one. And then I think I said starting season two, and I believe I've kept to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything's wide open now that we have something for the player characters to work off of. So um, if if we keep to the theme of of this uh, tavern talk, uh, the idea of, like, you know, inspiration for these great figures, um, they aren't all meant to be fought. Like, I guess from the original inspiration of Corella, there was supposed to be this idea that, 
you could choose to follow any of the gods in this world and see where they took you. Right. And I did give Quarian the opportunity to kind of like join the dark side oh, and yeah, see where yeah, that yeah. would take him. No, and you um, know, we had the opportunity to. Uh, I mean, we have already worked with the Dark Druids and everything, too, um, Notch and Baybreeze. So, I mean, you have given us plenty of direction to be available to sacrifice followers <laughs> to uh, yeah. evil forces. Yep, and um, that's that's an important encounter, too. That was a written encounter that, um, you know, I didn't know you guys were going to have 40 soldiers with you. But um, the three elf, elven women who live there, and I think you only know about that because you overheard Quarion's, um meeting with Malthus. But um, yeah, the three dark druids who live there are ancient elves who support a certain god. And then they have a father who supports another god. And all of that's like a big part of the world. Um, and, you know, I again, like I'm, I'm big into mighty powerful beings and campaigns because I feel like they give the characters something to aspire to or something to destroy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, you need to have for as strong of characters as we are. And as the adventurers should be, there needs to be an equal or opposing force. And yeah. what better, like, giant evil than a god or gods? Yep. So. And honestly, all of my gods are beatable. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I, I like the idea that you can beat a god. Yeah, you've been very, uh, and ever th through all of your campaigns, you've been very, um, the gods are mortal, uh, which yeah. is cool, which is cool. And not mortal just to, like, a farmer, but mortal to people who have proven themselves as heroes or villains and... You know, Quarren's case, definitely not Babry's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, going on from the great figures and everything, uh, I wanted to get a little special edition of Rogue or Not Rogue. Um, recently, we've had a moment where Babry's uh, had to sneak past four griffins to capture the, the Jade Rabbit. Um, what was your inspiration for this encounter? And what was your original plan for this encounter if the party wasn't supposed to go rogue by sneaking in? Yeah, so Sam and I talk about this a lot. Um, when I DM, I try very hard to make interesting encounters because I can get very, very bored sitting around playing a typical battle as a player character. So the Griffin's Nest was, A, supposed to be a callback to Notch because Notch has eaten Griffin eggs as a delicacy. Um, B, the chasing of the rabbit was supposed to be an opportunity to prioritize, um, I guess, quest-based encounters versus battle-based encounters. Mm -hmm. So these griffins aren't the type of creatures that are necessarily going to actively rip apart the player characters. They may try to push the player characters out of the nest or grab them and pull them out. Um, but they're not like going to eat you guys. Like that doesn't make sense to me. So I had thought more player characters would be up there and you guys might try to surround this nest and come up from all sides to like center the rabbit in the middle. And then during all this, like wake up the griffins and the griffins might be attacking you or whatnot. But, um, the rabbit was going to watch regardless. This rabbit wasn't going to leave the nest. He was going to have a little fun, you know, ha watch you guys do this. And if you guys did end up choosing to kill all the griffins, then you would have been able to do so. And whatever you guys chose to do with the eggs, you could have done with the eggs. But, um, it was supposed to be like a balance between like skill challenge, catch the rabbit and battle. What if these griffins were bothering you while you were trying to catch the rabbit? So... That sounds pretty neat. It'd be funny to just imagine uh, the three of us up there, like, trying to beat off griffins, uh, like, you know, pummeling us off the map while we're trying to catch this rabbit. It'd be kind of funny. Yep, and the rabbit would have moved around, but in your case, since you just snuck up, the rabbit sat there for you. 
So that like changed a little bit. I had imagined the rabbit like jumping around and hopping underneath Griffin legs, you know what I mean? And like sitting oh, underneath the Griffin, things like that. So Yeah, well, I'm glad that uh, you were very polite because I was, the whole time my heart was going at 100 miles an hour. Um, so thank you. So it, it sounded like a little, it was a little rogue, but in the spirit, uh, wasn't rogue. Yeah, no, I, I didn't feel like, um, rogue shafted, you know, like there's, there's, there's a big difference between like players going rogue and kind of ruining what the DM had planned okay. compared to like players playing the game well. And that was like players playing the game. Well, like again, like originally the quest was catch the rabbit. You followed the quest. You didn't say like, I'm going to hold person on the rabbit and then I'm going to knock the bottom of the nest out and have the rabbit fall through. Like, I don't know. Like there's probably some things that like would have been like, well, what about the Griffins? Like, you know, when you knock a hole in the nest, I'm going to give you a much harder time and try to wake up a Griffin than I did for you because you kind of played it well, played it in a way that didn't feel cheap, I guess. Right. Right. Cool. Cool. Um, so, uh, a little advice for our listeners. Um, what would you recommend that they do when they're coming up with their own campaigns, um, any novels or characters? Because not all of our listeners may be uh, – well, I would assume most of our listeners would be D&D players uh, or Pathfinder players. But if some of our, if some of our listeners like to write their own novels uh, or, their, or their own DMs, uh, what would be some advice you'd give th- to them? Sure. So – still like one of our number one posts was that random post that you had thought to put up about writing your own campaign. Uh, People constantly come back to that. And when me and you talk about like how to make a successful podcast, which we haven't talked about for a while, but when we used to, uh, one of the key things is providing educational content for free because a lot of people who listen to podcasts just want to learn. They don't necessarily want to be entertained. Um, I think many people who came to our our podcast came to it because it was 5th edition. They wanted to hear what 5th edition was like. So um, I preface with all of that to say that I think, yeah, you come to like a core component of what people are looking for when it comes to the podcast. And my advice would probably be um, when we talk about inspiration, like don't rebuild the, you know, don't remake the wheel. Like go ahead and take ideas that you think are really cool. Like Sam thought a video game was really cool and he wrote Pumpkin Spice from it. And it's been a very successful campaign. You know, it's, it's not, it's not, clinky it's not i don't know fan servicey it's very like good D campaign mm-hmm. um and i would say that you need to find somewhere to start like coming up with your own divine inspiration is a lot a lot of work and lightlessness is supposed to be like one of my masterpieces because it's probably like my 15th to 20th campaign you know what i mean <laughs> so like i i had put the time and effort in but the amount of life i put into lightlessness is not healthy for someone who's learning how to DM because you'll put all this life and time into it and then it's going to flop because you're going to make mistakes and you're going to like ruin it for your players and God forbid you put all this time into making a campaign and then kill your players off and then your players say like, we never want you to DM again or we didn't enjoy playing because of that. You know what I mean? So like you need to take a fun idea and take it from somewhere else that has more of a a story around it or more of a connected ideas around it because when you're on the fly and you're on your feet you need to pick from those areas so like sam goes and we ask him like well what would happen if we went to this place and i know his mind goes in game when i played in that place there was this type of scenery these there were these npcs available 
and he's not going to write them exactly as they are there, but he is going to be able to say like, oh, there is uh, a church up north, you know, and I'm pretty sure there's a ch church up in uh, Chrono Trigger, mm -hmm. things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely helps to have inspiration to draw from, and video games are easy for that. Um, but if you're going to do it all yourself, you have to put a ton of time and effort in. You know, I wrote a whole entire campaign before I wrote Lightlessness, <laughs> which was the epic of Corella, And then I scrapped it because I said, this isn't going to be fun for the players to play. Um, and it was mainly, you know, inspiration for the campaign. It's mainly stepping. So this is like another aspect. Like you need to make sure that you follow the characters from level zero to whatever level you want them to end in. Right. So the stepping for epic of Corella was going to take a very long time. It was going to be very hard to set up the player characters to a point where they could get to Archeron, you know, uh, to the point where they'd finally meet Corella. It would take three years of us playing uh, regularly to meet Corella. So if she's the main idea in my campaign, then that's not a lot of fun for the players. You guys have already made it like halfway through the campaign, being that you've come to a point where you've caused the lycanthropy plague and changed the world wholly. Like I, I have an end game in mind or a couple ideas in mind, but it's not going to take more than like another year. And in that time, I'll be able to level you guys and experience more story with you guys. And I don't feel like I'll be like throwing on like a new wing. Like, I don't know. I, I We're getting to the rambly point, but you know, one of the worst things in D&D, &D, in my opinion, is when you have no story for your character to stick through, mm -hmm. stick to, because you've like left your old story years ago it's like uh we're in a new season that has nothing to do with the old season and then we're going to go into another new season um and some people might like playing that way but i kind of like the cohesion of um one full story so okay well it sounds like from that uh just as like a wrap up to all listeners because like you said kind of got a little rambly there not bad so don't don't think that no um so Take from others, take from experiences that you know, that you like, maybe another book you like, find an idea that you really liked out of it and exploit it, build off of that. Um, it gives you great background stories of certain people in the world. You can change it as you need to see fit. Um, so I like that a lot. And then also, as you said, think of how long you want the story to go to. Think of how fast paced you want the story to be, because especially for new DMs, um, myself included, Having a shorter story is easier to tell. You have less uh, loose ends. You only have very limited NPCs that characters need to interact with. Rather than have a whole gigantic world, you may only have five or six towns that they might be going to. Um, so for the new DMs, uh, think build within your capabilities. So think small and then go larger. Uh, as you said, you're a very experienced DM, and you have written whole epics and whole worlds uh, but listeners should enjoy us talking about it and maybe not jump into that exactly and maybe do something smaller for their first one or two times. Right? Definitely. Yep. Cool. Uh, so as a wrap-up, uh, I want to say thank you, Ben, and thank you all the listeners. Um, all of the downloads and social media support from our listeners help us to strive to deliver the best content uh, consistently. We do our best to release everything uh, very promptly every week, and there's only been, I think, once in the past year or so uh, that we've missed one week. Um, and I really do appreciate everybody listening because it really makes us want to give more and more to the listeners. Uh, so please, everybody, share our podcast with your gaming groups. And as always, please look us up on Facebook under Pathless Podcasts and rank us on iTunes. Ben, is there anything else? 
I think that is everything. Thank you for preparing all these notes, Matt, and putting this together. I kind of like the short tavern talks. Um, you know, it's just like a nice little breather, gets our minds going. So I appreciate you for taking the initiative to do this. Oh, anytime. You know, anything for our listeners, I really enjoyed doing it. And like I said, anybody, if you have any uh, thoughts or questions, please hit us up on Twitter. Uh, if I don't answer on Twitter exactly, I do write things down and I talk about them um, on the podcast. So everybody, thank you. Have yourself a great day and happy Tavern Talk.